Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. <clears throat> Unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar. This episode is powered by Safety FM. This podcast is being sponsored by SafetyConsultantBlueprint.com. In this episode, we're going to do an OSHA update. So we'll go through what's the latest happening with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, as well as some things that you should be looking out for and teaching your clients to look out for. Do you feel that your knowledge would be better served if you are your own boss? Your knowledge can help more people improve their workplace safety. Most of what you know may be wasting in a job that limits what you can do for the overall health and safety of workers. Now is the time to start your own business while you're still working for your current employer. Start your own safety consultant business with the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. Get your business legal in just a week. Brand yourself as an authority in safety, even on a shoestring budget. No more stressing about how to price your services fairly, but still make a profit. And experience the amazing feeling of being your own boss. This 100% online video course is instructor-led and will give you detailed steps to keep you focused as to what to do next to grow your business. Lay out strategies to keep you maximizing your marketing and networking efforts. And explain how to get money in between clients. Register today at safetyconsultantblueprint.com and enter the code PODCAST. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. And I just want to welcome you to this podcast. This is the one podcast that I can show you how to do the business of being a safety consultant. So in that, I am also helping you, especially if you're a consultant in the U.S., I'm helping you understand some things related to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, EPA. That's also another one, the Environmental Protection Association. And sometimes you have other jurisdictions that you got to deal with throughout your day and throughout your your career. So specifically today, I really, really wanted to focus on uh, what's what's been happening with regulation side and with the OSHA side, right? So I'm going to do a couple of things. You may hear some typing in the background because I got a really, really loud keyboard. This is one of those portable uh, Bluetooth keyboards and every time we touch it it's like <laughs> real loud you know and that drives me nuts but oh well and so I'm gonna first and foremost um, type in OSHA.gov so we can see that and uh, before I get to the OSHA.gov site while I'm waiting for that to load I do want to pull your attention to two executive orders that just came out 
in the U.S. And one is Executive Order 13891 of October 9th, 2019. And this one is a presidential executive order that is titled Promoting the Rule of Law Through Improved Agency Guidance Documents. So uh, this is a change in the policy and generally the the thought behind this, or I should say the intent, I don't know, but the thought behind this one is they've been regulatory agencies that have been using letters, interpretations, documents, uh, and then also uh, compliance, well, I should say compliance assistance documents as if they were compliance enforcement documents, meaning it's gone through the Federal Register and it's been uh, vetted through the, uh, the same process that you would see if you were going to go into the regulatory agenda and you were to see the open comment period for things on the regulatory agenda it has to go through that back and forth, back and forth. And it's all noted in the preamble of uh, the regulations. Then it goes to the Federal Register and then after the Federal Register, then it becomes law. So that's uh, the general process that it takes. And this is all the agencies in the U.S., right? In order for something to, to be a law. Kind of reminds you of, um, I don't know if you guys remember the Schoolhouse Rock. But uh, the Schoolhouse Rock was this really cool thing that they used to have on, uh, I believe, ABC. But it was back in the early, early years when I was younger. And what they did is they kind of did a nice little cartoon version of actual things that happen with you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. And it teaches kids in a fun way about, you know, stuff. It teaches stuff in life. And one of the things they taught is uh, a bill, how the bill becomes a law. And it's got the whole song, I'm just a bill, I'm just a lonely old bill, sitting on Capitol Hill. See, don't you like that? Singing and everything for you, right? Uh, so this one is process seems to have taken a little turn is generally what this executive order is saying, saying that there are some agencies that are using compliance assistance documents as if it were gone through the whole process to be a law and therefore they are enforcing it as such. So. In this executive order, what they're looking for and what the president is looking for is that guidance documents that are supposed to be included as technical uh, help and assistance with uh, regulatory, that it has to either go through the regulatory process and be in the federal register as law or it can only be used as guidance and not be used for regulation. So, um, and they do have a definition for guidance documents, and that means an agency statement or general ability, excuse me, or uh, let me start over so we can get this right because it's technical, so I want to make sure we get this right, all right? So guidance documents means an agency statement of general applicability, applicability, let's say it that way, applicability intended 
to have future effect on the behavior of regulated parties that sets forth a policy of a statutory, regulatory, or technical issue or an interpretation of the statute or regulation, but does not include the following. And then there's a list of a few things that do not include. So in reading that, I think now I have a correction because in interpretation of the statutes, okay, that would be a guidance document. So therefore, that's good. So then um, I don't have too much of interpretation rules. So there's... Uh, looks like six things that are uh, outside of that guidance document and therefore that means that if you are now a federal agency comes to you they say well in the letter of interpretation we interpret this rule to be this and we're going to enforce you as this interpretation that they can't do that anymore because of this executive order so that's a big one i'll give you guys a big for instance you know so how long does it take how long do you have if there was an injury in such an actual injury that was so bad that it took let's say some stitches or there's something that the person needed immediate medical attention in your opinion so how much time do you have in the rules it actually says in osha and uh we're looking at the 1904 rules now actually it's not even that's a record keeping side it's going to be in the, the medical side so i believe that's a part k right uh, depending on what book but anyway when you're looking at a uh, prompt medical attention is the wording that you'll see and uh, uh that is one of the things that's always been a bonus contention what is prompt right well, how quick is prompt so there's a letter of interpretation that says three to four minutes if it's something severe and if it's less severe then you have up to 12 minutes and that has been uh, religiously enforced in that way so now this new executive order is saying it hasn't been vetted through the federal register process through the process that you see when you go through the preambles uh, public comment period everything else so therefore OSHA now has a time period that they're going to have to include these guidance documents submitted into a one searchable website and it, uh, it has to be all in one place, right? One searchable, accessible website to everybody. And if they don't put that into that uh, website, then it's probably gonna, then it looks like it's gonna be gone for good, unless, and I'm looking at section three of this executive order, it says insurance, transparency, use of guidance document within 120 days of the date on which the Office of Management and Budget issues an implementing memorandum under section six of this order, each agency and or, excuse me, agency component as appropriate shall establish or maintain on its website a single searchable index database that can contains or links to all guidance documents in effect from such agencies or components. The website shall note that guidance documents lack the force and effect of law. So these guidance documents, things that like that letter of interpretation I just told you about, which has got to first post it somewhere that is going to hit all that criteria within 120 days from uh, the day that this was issued. And again, that was in October 9th, 2019. 
and then there is uh, a variance that says within a hundred, excuse me, 240 days of the date which OMB issues the implementation memorandum, an agency may reinstate the guidance documents rescinded under the subsection without complying with any procedural adopted or imposed pursuant to section four of this order. So basically, because from this executive order, all of those things that are, have been pretty much understood as being rules and laws, when they're only supposed to be guidance or letters of interpretation, if OSHA or any of the other agencies that we deal with don't put those in that single searchable website uh, indexed, then it is going to be thrown out altogether. Um, and then when you do get to that 240 days, you get another chance of making sure things go into that database. And if it doesn't, then it's gone. So that means we'll have to be another guidance document created to help make sure that everybody complies with those rules. So that's a big deal. That is, especially with the time frame given. So that means that these agencies are going to have to have full-time equivalent hours in order to get this document done, or they're going to have to, I don't know, um, I'm not sure how it's going to technically work because right now with having to get this imposed, maybe it's going to be hiring someone to do that kind of work in, outside as a government contract to get everything in. But uh, that's a big one. So I, I've used letter of interpretations all the time. I've told clients about letter of interpretations and we look at that and my understanding has been that these things have been enforced as if they were a law. So now they can't be according to that executive order. So big thing. And here's another executive order on the exact same day. So these two were released at the same time and it's executive order 13892 of October 9th, 2019. And this says promoting the rule of law through transparency and fairness in civil administrative enforcement and adjudication. So the policy, the rule requires transparency promulgated, uh, regulated, excuse me, the rule requires transparency. Regulated parties must know in advance the rules by which the federal government will judge their actions. So this one is taken loosely from the Freedom of Information Act. It's even cited here in Section 1. And it's saying that agencies shall, and this is me reading, agencies shall act transparently and fairly with respect to all parties, affected parties, as outlined in this order when engaging in civil administrative enforcements or adjudications. No person shall be subject to a civil administrative enforcement action or adjudication absent prior public notice of both the enforcement agency's jurisdiction over particular conduct and the legal standards applicable to that conduct. And moreover, the federal government should, where feasible, foster greater private sector cooperation in enforcement, promoting to promote information sharing with the private sector and establish predictable outcomes for public conduct, or excuse me, for private conduct. Wow. A mouthful, but it's just basically saying this. So this is breaking down, and that's only um, in section one. There's a few other sections in this part, but this is just basically saying that whenever someone is going to be regulated on something, they have to know 
and what they're going to be held accountable for in advance. So that means OSHA, EPA, DOT, all those other agencies that this hits, they're going to have to send out public information or at least have public information available as to what things are enforceable per each individual's party's conduct and what they do. So this is a big one. They're again going to have to set up a database and the database has the same wording as the other one before where it has to be one database is going to have everything searchable and indexable so it's supposed to be easier to find and the quote of this wording or phrase that is being thrown around in this executive order says that they don't want the individual to have an unfair surprise and that means and i'm reading this a lack of reasonable certainty or fair warning of what a legal standard administered by an agency requires. The meaning of this term should be informed by examples of lack of fair notice discussed in the Supreme Court in Christopher v. Smith Klein Beecham Corp. 567 U.S. 142, 156, and number 15 in 2012. So that unfair surprise definition came through that case, I would imagine, from the reading of this. So this means that guidance documents themselves, they may not be used for imposing standards. Uh, and this is how the tooth kind of connect. But you can use these things to make people aware of laws that they are going to have to comply with. So these two documents is going to set the course for regulation in a very different way. And I could kind of see challenges coming up with this where people could say, well, I've didn't know that this is something that I was supposed to follow and I was never told and it might be some really legal stuff so I might have to get a hold of a lawyer and just say help me make sure I understand this so when I'm talking to my clients that I'm really gonna um work with them well and that they're going to know exactly what to look for and help them to comply with these rules so that's one of the things that i really want to point out it's a big 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 thing in the new osha rules as far as the executive order so those are two presidential executive orders that came out in october 2019 early october 2019 right the other thing with osha update right now that i'm looking at is the website so if you haven't gone to OSHA.gov lately, it is completely changed. So I don't know if this is a response or preparation for the two executive orders that I just read you, but it's got some stuff that I really have uh, lost a couple of things I was looking for. Like I love that safety pace calculator where you could put in uh, your incident, whatever it is, let's say it's a laceration, you put down laceration, you tell your company's profit margin and it'll say this is the direct cost of this accident, this is the indirect cost of the accident, and this is how much money you need to accrue to cover these costs. That was a great thing. It's still on the site, but you really have to look for a safety pace estimator or safety pace calculator in order to find it because the sites change quite a bit. Uh, so I'm going to give you just a slight rundown as best as I can without, you know, leading you to your computer, especially if you're driving. So I don't want to do that. But what I want to do is just kind of give you an overview. So OSHA.gov, you're going to see the A to Z index, which is on the top 
And uh, when I say top, it's actually there's three banners that is on the home page, and the banners like the big long horizontal thing that you can click on, and you get responses from different words or different icons. The very top in red, that banner is the Department of Labor banner. The white one underneath it is OSHA's banner. So we're gonna really focus on the OSHA banner, and then underneath it is also an OSHA. Um, banner and that has you know direct links so ATZ index still one of the first and best ways to look for something if you don't exactly know where to find it the other thing is the search box so those are going to be your best friends for now the tabs now are broken down into four major topics which is OSHA standards topics health and research researches so you click the drop down on OSHA and you're going to see about OSHA, find an OSHA office, state plans, newsrooms, quick take newsletter and quick takes is OSHA's newsletter that you got to get. So make sure you get that uh, careers and then information, uh, freedom of information act. And you can click on each one of those things I mentioned. The drop down for standards has standards and regulations open for comment. And that's what I just talked about with the pathway for uh, for anything to become a law. It has to have some sort of open comment period, a regulatory agenda. And under that uh, standard interpretation and then under that training requirements by standard. So that's a PDF. That's a real good one to have. The next heading is going to be topics. You click on that. It's a little bigger section on the Dropbox, but you have topics for employer health, workers' rights, fall prevention, heat, PPE, records keeping requirement, trenching excavation, and that's by major topics. And then you do have a by sector, so you can look up ag, construction, federal agency, healthcare, maritime, oil and gas. And then on the bottom of that, you're going to have key topics, which is OSHA 10 to 30 training, enforcement, HASCOM, health, uh, safety and health programs, and then the whistleblower protection. That's where you find that. Last tab is help and resources. You'll see annual inspection data, e-tools, fatality report, how to file a complaint, publications, safety and health topic page, suicide prevention, training videos, and then some compliance assistance resources. So you have a compliance assistance specialist, consulting services, cooperative programs, small business resources. So those are pretty much the headings that you're going to see on the drop down menu. Before with OSHA, they used to have like a real scrolling uh, pictures, about three or four pictures and they'll lead to a new story. I don't see that much anymore. It doesn't look like it has that. They do have a tip of the week and this is still all on the homepage, but then they also have a new video and the new video is on the inspection process. And the other video that I used to show to my class when I did my OSHA 10 and 30 classes and a few other my classes, that one is like 19, I don't know, 80 something, I would imagine, right? Uh, it looked 80s, it was really, really dated. So I'm glad that they have a new one there just so you know uh, how to, or to say what to expect when OSHA can uh, conducts inspections. So that's a good one. You do have a place for taking action, and that's what they call it. 
and they even had a link to get a free job safety and health poster. Uh, underneath that section, you're going to see where they uh, have a link to all the OSHA 10 30-hour cards. And you can look up a trainer now, so that's always good. So if you want to train with me, you just type in my name and you'll find my profile. And then you'll see the show partners and you see the location and then how to contact me. So that's generally how that, that works. And then you'll see in the very bottom the, the Twitter feed there where you can follow OSHA. So that is a little overview of the website itself. There has been a lot, a lot of changes. So I would really say that you're going to have to keep a good eye on what's happening here and just to see exactly you know, what's been happening. And I kind of clicked just a second to see the organization chart, see if there's any change there, because I got to check that too from time to time, right? So it looks like the Assistant Secretary for Occupational Safety and Health is still vacant. And right now, the Deputy Assistant Secretary is acting and the principal deputy assistant secretary is Doreen Sweat. So there, she actually was acting assistant secretary for a while. So something happened there. I don't know, but something is there. But uh, that that was as of let's see, I used to do a date on there. I don't see the date, but and that's what they have right now. So the chief of staff is basically uh, over uh, the occupational safety and health right now. And you do have principal deputy assistant secretary, Lorraine Sweat, and then you have deputy assistant secretary over all the regions, and that's Amanda uh, Edens, and she's acting. So there's a bunch of acting in the regional positions. Uh, so that's telling me that OSHA is uh, seeing some transition in a higher level of the organization. And that's probably because a lot of them may be retired or going into consulting, right? You know, why not? You got all that experience. Why not go into consulting? So that is the long and short of this. I just want to really give you guys a good understanding of an uh, update for OSHA right now. Uh, OSHA is still in the regulatory compliance and regulatory um, well, compliance, yes, compliance assistance and then compliance enforcement. So they're still in that business. You just got to make sure that you're on the right end of that business and you steer your clients on the right end of that business, right? So that is uh, the update for now. Definitely uh, take a look at the safetyconsultantpodcast.com and uh, for episode 39, I believe we're in, right? Uh, then you're going to see this episode there and you can uh, link to whatever I can so you can have a good one place to look. And I want to let you know that we also have the Safety Consultant uh, Resource Group. So this is a group that I started. It's a monthly membership group and this one is to help you not only know the business of being a safety consultant by you know, listening to this podcast, but you're going to have an opportunity to get the resources that you need, such as training resources, proposal templates, uh, templates for 
some of the jobs that you do as safety consultant. Uh, I broke it up into different groups. So now you also have the opportunity to, uh, well, forums, I should say, not groups, forums. So you could speak in forums such as proposal help or I need some help with a client tip or anything. And you get other safety professionals that are also safety consultants and you guys work together as well as myself. I'll be there to help you as well. And through this, we can grow that safety consulting business together and keep you viable. And it's a great resource for you. So it's a monthly resource, uh, 55 a month. That's it. And think of it. You get one client, not even half a client, one quarter of a client. And you already got your, your monthly right there, or you can do it by annually. It depends on what you want. But other than that, uh, go to safetyconsultant.us. So find out more about it, go to safetyconsultant.us and uh, be looking for you in the membership group, right? We're going to help each other out. We're going to stay viable and keep our businesses running. So when we come back, we're going to do the tip of the week. We can all run into issues. Some issues we will discuss with friends and maybe family, but some items are so personal that we don't want to discuss with anyone and we just want to handle them ourselves. What issues am I talking about? I am talking about issues with credit. Imagine being able to work on your credit report from the comfort of your own home. No weird salesperson telling you to dispute everything. Just straightforward, no nonsense on what to do step-by-step to work on your credit report. This is not just a credit education service, but it's also a community of other like-minded individuals having the same struggles. For more information, go to issueswithcredit.com. The Issues with Credit community will be with you every step of the way. Issueswithcredit.com, a 13th hour solution venture. Before we do the tip of the week, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and everyone who have also uh, joined up for the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. It's been getting great responses, so I want to just thank everybody for that. If you have yet to subscribe to this podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe on whatever device you're listening to or whatever service you're using to listen to this podcast. Just go ahead and do that. If you can't share it, yeah, share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, with someone that you know might be interested in what I'm talking about with OSHA compliance and being a safety consultant and the business of being a safety consultant. And then also, if you have a chance, it will be greatly appreciated if you could go ahead and do a review for me on whatever service you're listening to this podcast on so that I can uh, start building some followers, yes, but then other people will get to know, you know, it's a good thing. Listen to this thing. You know, everybody looks at reviews, you know, before you even go to a meal, you have to look at the review and see what the review says. So those are important things. And I appreciate it if you do. Oh, so the tip of the week, let's get into that one. The tip of the week for this week will be definitely go ahead and join up on the OSHA quick takes newsletter so that you could get a good understanding of what's in the mind of OSHA. So the quick takes is a bi-monthly newsletter. So basically twice 
a month, I believe. Every other week is what it used to be. I don't know if it's still that interval, but would you call that bi-weekly? I think you might call that bi-weekly instead of bi-monthly because that would be every other month, right? And if it was bi-monthly. So let's, let's change that to bi-weekly. So every other week, you're going to get the OSHA update with, through the quick takes. And that's always good to have. And then another thing you want to do and this one is maybe a little bit tedious, but put a little like a notice in your uh, Outlook or whatever you're using for your calendar. And I would do it maybe somewhere in the mid to end of the month. And what you're looking for is you want to just give yourself a little alert, a little notification that says check the OSHA website. Once a month. That's it. You can do more if you want. I'm a consultant for OSHA compliance, so I do it more than once a month. But for you, if you're not up to that yet, once a month, give yourself a little note. And this note is going to be just to go ahead and check the OSHA website. They have been doing a lot lately. They've changed the website so much that I used to have a video and the video went through all the different tabs of the OSHA website and teaching how to understand the OSHA website. I got to update it now because it's just completely not, not applicable anymore. So at this point, I would say if you're an OSHA compliance safety consultant, then you probably need to do this you know, at least once a week. And if you're a trainer, definitely you want to do that at least once a week. But in the meantime, let's at least sign up for quick takes and at least give it a check once a month. Get yourself a little file that says check out your once a month until you start needing the frequency. And the reason is, is as things change, as compliance uh interpretations change and then sometimes it's even when you're going ahead and you're going to see that there are new rules coming you want to make sure your cut your clients are going to be prepared so that's why i keep a frequent section or a frequent like note in back of my head that says all right time to check osha need to make sure we're on board with this one and make sure i'm steering everybody right so that is the tip of the week i appreciate everybody thanks for hanging out with me this week and i will see you next monday This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required.